Welcome to another episode of Mostly Sports. This is your host, Keon St. John. How are you doing? Hopefully, excellence. Let's get to it. I'm, um, this episode, I'm a, this is the reaction to the ESPN 30 for 30, Junior Seau. Um, I did a show. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, you know, I wrote two of these episodes and I didn't do it because I didn't think it was right. So I had to go back and do it again because I wanted to make sure that I did it correctly. Um, obviously, being a being a Charger fan and and grow, growing up in San Diego, uh, you know, this meant a lot to me. And, and it was sad, sad and and um, you know, inspiring at the same at the same time. You know, just seeing his career and, and seeing how hard he worked to, to achieve the goals he achieved and, you know, obviously the sad, sad ending and, and also, you know, what I got from it and how it affected me and, and how I look at the game uh, moving forward. So, you know, let's get to it. Junior Seau, man. Junior Seau, you know, his story begins and ends in Oceanside, California, which is about 45 minutes north of San Diego. Uh, two hours if you if you get caught up in some traffic so <laughs> so but about 45 minutes north um, you know for me for my money junior Seau he's like the second best linebacker that I that I've seen in my life like my like my favorite I don't say that I've seen but but my my, my second favorite linebacker of all time first is is Lawrence Taylor First is Lawrence Taylor. Second is Junior Seau. And, you know, he he, he got, you know, his, his accolades are, are well documented. You know, 1,500 tackles, 56 sacks, 18 interceptions, 12-time Pro Bowler, Defensive Player of the Year in 1992, first ballot Hall of Famer. So, you know, 20-year career at linebacker like you know he really he really put in his work but I feel like he still went fairly underrated because because he played for the Chargers and the times that he was on the Chargers you know they were they were they were terrible it was a he was the best player on a very 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 bad team but he always put in his work and he always came to play and he played hurt you know when it really didn't matter you know, as in today, guys, you know, guys will sit out. You know, maybe that's a smart thing to do is sit out when you're hurt. But, but Junior Junior played through all of his injuries, you know, and really sacrificed himself for his teammates, which is very, very commendable. You know, another thing that people don't know is that, or you, you maybe you do know, you just, maybe I'm going to refresh your memory. What was, was ill about, you know, Junior and him getting drafted. That started off with, uh, you know, he balled at Oceanside High School. Oceanside High School, he played basketball and he played football at very, very high levels. As a junior, he was already 6'4 and a half, like 215 pounds, 210 pounds. And they say really basketball was his first love. And they showed him highlights of him playing, and he was good. 
he had a, a mullet, <laughs> so it was waving in the air, you know, with him running down the court. But he finished. He he could finish at the rim. He he was good on the fast break. He was he was fast. He was quick on the court, just like he was quick on the field, you know. Um, and he ball obviously in football. He played running back, played linebacker, played receiver, played quarterback. Whatever you wanted, he did it. Now, you can't tell the Junior Seau story without bringing up the Samoan culture. Um, I have a, uh, growing up in San Diego, I, I, I grew up a lot of Pacific Islanders, a lot of Samoans. Um, so I have a great, great respect for, for their culture and, and how they are so family orientated. So I know that Junior's upbringing had a big effect on his life. And, and one of the main factors that I took from the story was, or interesting factors that I took from the story was his relationship with his father. His relationship with his father was complex, to say the least. Um, his father loved him very, very much. Um, you know, supported him, and uh, the Samoan culture is pretty much about work. All, all, all of Junior's siblings all worked, but from an early age, his family realized that he had a gift in athletics, so he was one of the few, or the only one, child in his family that didn't have to work. He just had to focus on school and focus on sports. But focus so much on sports that, uh, you know, Junior was always playing for his father's approval, even as a pro. You know, he always, you know, his father was very stoic, you know, and coming from that time, as, as a lot of fathers were, um, you know, didn't show a lot of love. You know, per se. And, or physical love, you know. he. I'm sure he said, I love you, but, you know, the congratulations and the hugs and the things of that nature, he didn't give Junior a lot. He always, like, Junior could never do enough. If he had 16 tackles, his father would get on him for not getting 20 tackles. So it was that kind of relationship. Um, also, a uh, particular dynamic that I thought was was interesting was interesting was also you know junior if he didn't play well if his team lost and he wouldn't get lunch money or he wouldn't get his allowance from his father so that's the kind of pressure that his dad put on him and obviously there's negative and positive effects to that but one of the positive effects is that junior always has something to prove you know, so always made him work extremely hard, and he really developed a really, really great work ethic on the field. Um, so he balls out at Oceanside High School. Gets football offers from everybody in the country. They showed him, you know, everybody, Nebraska, Alabama, UCLA, Stanford, everywhere. He chose USC. USC, you know, an hour away from, uh, two, excuse me, two hours away from San Diego. You know, his family could watch him every game, and, you know, so that, that was a good choice for him. They showed him highlights of him just crushing, crushing players um, in college, crushing players. But it didn't start off, it didn't start off so rosy for him, you know, um, 
it started off where he had to miss his first season. Back in that day, it was a Prop 48, which means that if you don't get, if your grades aren't good or aren't high enough, then you have to get a particular score on the ACT, and he didn't get that score, which means which end up meaning that he had to sit out his first season. So his freshman year, he sat out. You would call that a, a, a red shirt now, but um, he sat out. But during that time of him sitting out, you know, also Junior was a workout warrior in the weight room. I mean, he just worked very, very hard, lifted a lot of weights, and being around Samoans, Samoans are already naturally bigger, thicker people. So to put that in the weight room, you knew what you was going to create. You know, he created a warrior. He really did. I mean, like the definition of like a Greek statue was Junior Seau, you know. So as a freshman, signed up for USC, he was 215 pounds. He sat out that freshman year. He put on 45 pounds. 45 pounds. Ended up trimming it down to his play weight was 255 pounds. So here he is as a sophomore, true sophomore, 6'5", 255 pounds. Now, being a former football player, little college, little high school, you know how hard it is to put on 40 pounds of muscle in a, in, in a year and come back that next season? I mean, you'd be happy to put on 10. You'd be happy, you know, to put on 20, you know. That's, that's a big transition for high school kids going into college is the weight. Uh, you got to put on some weight. You can't come in there light in the tail or else you're going to get, you know, you're going to get lit up. You got to, your body has to develop. You know, this is why uh, high school players don't go directly from college to the NFL because your body has to develop. But for it to develop like that, for him to put on 45 pounds and come in that next season like that, that's amazing. That's hard to do, y'all. That's hard to do. So just you can just see the kind of work he put in. And he put in that work because he wanted to get stronger, but also because he felt a sense of embarrassment. He felt he embarrassed his family. His father gave him a slogan, honor, honor thy family name, which basically means don't ever embarrass the name at all. So he put that kind of pressure on Junior, and, and Junior you know, internalized that and turned it into the weight room. He felt like he embarrassed his family, embarrassed his name, and, and you know, he just wanted to make, make his family proud when he got the opportunity. So he got the opportunity. Um, his sophomore year, he, he didn't crack the starting lineup. He played a lot of a lot of special teams. But that junior year, that's when he hit the scene. He hit the scene and he balled. He started and he tore, he tore it up. USC, tackles all over the field. And the thing about putting on those 45 pounds is you want to put on weight, but you don't want to lose your your flexibility. You don't want to lose your agility. You know, you want to be able to maintain those things and keep your speed as well, which he, which he was able to do. So he put on all that weight, 45 pounds, and he still was the fastest linebacker on the field, still chasing down everybody. I mean, that just shows you what kind of 
what kind of athlete he was really just naturally gifted you know uh, hard work plus passion is a beautiful thing you know it equals greatness and, and that's what you got when you came to Junior Seau you know and and looking back, you know, he played a 20-year career at linebacker, like I stated earlier. And, you know, knowing what we know now about this game, certain positions are not meant to play 20 years, you know, especially the game that it was. And it, it, They're changing the game now, and they're making it more safer and less head-to-head injuries and or, or contact is, is allowed, you know, Instead of teaching the kids to hit with their head, now they're teaching to hit with their shoulder, which is great, you know. And that's one thing that you know I got I got from this. You know, when he killed himself, rest in peace, Junior Seau. You know, shot himself in the chest, and um, it really had me look at. And I'm bouncing all over the place. Y'all just rock with me. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Um, he, when when Junior when Junior Seau killed himself, he he made me look at the game differently. You know, previous to that, you know, as far as the CTE and all that stuff was concerned, I wasn't taking it seriously because I'm such a fan of the game. Been a fan of the game since a child. I'm still a fan of the game. You know, I I, I love the game. And I played the game, and, and, and so, I, you know, I know all the ins and outs. and So I felt like they was attacking my game. I felt like people, you know, guys get, some people just get dementia when they get older, and that's just a part of life. And some people get Alzheimer's, and that's just a part of life. Some people get old and grumpy, and that's just a part of life. That's That was my thought, you know. Um, but when Junior, when it affected Junior, then, you know, it kind of hit home, you know. You know, I grew up watching this dude. You know, I'm, you know, here, player of the year in 1992. You know, I'm 13 years old, you know, just in the prime of just loving the game and, and watching every Charger game. And, um, you know, so I, I lived through that. And it's like, I, it was like, oh, this guy, damn, him? Okay, maybe I need to reassess the way I, the way I look at the game. And I guess it was a wake-up call for me just realizing that the game did need to change a little bit as it has changed since the beginning. You know, the beginning, you know, they guys play with leather helmets. Yeah, le- yeah, you heard me right. Leather helmets and bang heads. You know, and I'm sure that was acceptable back then, but you do research and you learn the more as time progresses and you learn and you realize that's not the best way to do things and you change and so this just was a part of that. Um, the game needed to change. Needed to be. It needed to be safer. Um, and and the NFL has done a good job of of, of changing. I, I was in complete denial of that. Uh, I was looking at Michael. You, you search these guys' name. Uh, Mike Webster. He he also killed himself. Uh, Dave Derrison also killed himself. Um, you know a couple other players as well. And I was looking at them as isolated incidents, isolated, isolated incidents, when in reality it's all had a, it all had a correlation just to playing the game. And um, 
I guess those things had to happen now for the game to to change and be and, and be different. And now the game is is different. Now it's so much information that is readily readily available to anybody who wants to take part in football. You know, the, to where a college athlete that's playing right now, he's already mapping out his future as far as like. He's not going to play. Guys are retiring earlier now than they ever did. Guys are playing four, five, six years, getting that pension. You know, I think you have to play four or five years to, to be eligible for the pension. And um, they're getting out. They're getting out. Um, matter of fact, uh, Kyle Emanuel, he's 27 years old. He's only played in, in the NFL for five years. He's a linebacker for my Chargers. He just retired due to injuries. He's not sticking around. Back in the day, guys would, stick, guys would stick around. And really, for far less money, they would just keep on playing because that's just what you were trained to do. And the, the problem with the, with the old concussion rule was, you know, when I played and before me, you know, you, if you got a concussion, it just was called like, you know, you got your bell rung. You got your bell rung and you would sit out a play or two until you can refocus and you get back in there. And that was just a part of the game. So that's where the injuries, where the CTE really becomes prevalent is that guys are having concussions or used to and they go right back in the game and then you get another concussion and then you get another one. I mean, you're banging heads the rest of the game. To where now the game has changed to where if you get a concussion, you're going, you're out. You're done at least for that game and, and maybe the next game. You know, so they have made the game safer and, and you know, I'm thankful that they did, and, and, and I hate that it took for Junior Seau to, to, to pass away for me to really relook at the way I look at the game and, and, and welcome the, the necessary changes, but um, so be it. That's that's what happened, and, and now, you know, I even look at it to where if my, I have three sons myself, if, one of, if they wanted to play football, one or all three of them, I wouldn't let them play until high school. You know, I, start, I played at 10 years old. In Pee Wee, I wouldn't let my kids play Pop Warner football. I had a great time. I didn't get hurt or injured or anything like that. But a 10-year-old boy doesn't need to be banging his head, you know what I'm saying, against other little boys, you know. You just don't need to do that that early. Now, if they want to play, I can train them. I know, you know, I could, we could run a 1,000 drills in the backyard, and I'll have you ready. Really, football is about technique, more than anything, if you can learn, if you have the talent and you can learn the technique, then you will be successful. But you need to be able to learn how to protect yourself. And I just don't think 10-year-olds are necessarily ready for that. So, you know, like I said, it really changed the way that I looked at the game. Um, I'm all over the place, so just follow me, like I said. Um, what really, you know, I took from it as well was... It was a transition in his life before the tragedy. You know, he went from playing. Uh, he got tra- he got traded. You know, remember to Miami, and then he retired, and then he came back and and went to and play play with uh, with the Patriots, right? Then he retired again. But you know, it was a slow withdrawal from his family and friends where he started isolating himself a lot more from people um, and nobody knew what was going on and you know he carried a big burden 
He had been taking care of, of his entire family due to his family pride and a sense of responsibility that he had to where he just took care of everybody, all of his siblings and a lot of friends. And, you know, obviously when you get that kind of money, then you got a couple more friends that just appear smiling and just waiting, you know, to receive because they know that you're giving. They know that you're going to ask. And, you know, he, he took that he took that burden to heart. Um, so he took care of a lot of people. But in that process, he neglected himself and he ended up neglecting his own family as far as his kids and his wife. And a lot of those things, you you know, that's when infidelity crept in in, in, in his life. And, you know, he really didn't. And it's crazy because the strongest people, the people who help everybody, the people who's there for everybody, you know, they, they're really the people who really have the hardest time asking for help. He was a prideful man. So even though he was going through a lot, he still wouldn't ask anybody for help. But even in his time where he needed help, he still was, was, was lending help and hands to everybody else. One of his friends even said, one of his former football players even said, hey, hey, bro. he said, Junior told him, hey, as long as I'm alive, you'll never be broke. And as long as I have something, then you'll have something. So he, so it's crazy to me because he was going through the same exact situation that his football friend was going through. But he's extending his hand to say, hey, I got you if you need me. But at that point, he couldn't extend a hand to say, hey, I need some help. You know, and and that's tough. That's tough because you just will hope somebody would be able to come in and recognize that it's been a change in, in, uh, in pattern and, you know, Just pay attention and, and offer some kind of help or, or stick around more or, you know, the intervention or whatever you need, whatever needs to take place needs to take place. But, you know, it's just tough when when you don't ask for help. And, and that's what they was explaining in the film was. They was explaining that, you know, the CTE didn't cause for him to be you know, be depressed or be, uh, you know, isolated from his family, you know, and get a divorce and all that. But what the CTE did do was not let him have the ability to ask for help, you know, and, you know, I got a small beef with his girlfriend, a little, a little small beef with her because the day that he killed himself, she said she was leaving the house and he said, hey, you know, don't go. I need you to stay with me today. And she said, you know, she 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 gave him a kiss and she left. She still went to the gym. She worked out when she got back from working out. She came. She was the one that found him. He was dead. But it's like my, my, my beef. And I understand everybody's human. You know, we, we all neglect people in our lives a little bit. You know, it happens as part of being a human. Uh, you just don't know what that neglect is going to end up in. So I'm not putting the blame on her completely or at all. Rather, I'm just saying at that moment, excuse me, who's who's not to say that 
he wouldn't have did it another day or whatever. But at that moment, if you're Junior Seau's girlfriend and you understand what's been going on in his life, and this is a man that you have seen, that you stated, she, she witnessed that. She said, you know, she watched him take care of many, many people. So the person that you see take care of many people and is taking care of you, I know your life has changed now that you've been his girlfriend. I know that you live a better life. When that person says, hey, stay, then stay. This is not somebody, he didn't ask her for no money. He didn't say, hey, I need you to get me come up with, you know, $100,000 tonight. He didn't say that. He said, hey, I just need you to stay. I just need your time right now. Just lay here in the bed with me. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel something. So when somebody asks you for something that you know doesn't ask for anything, especially when it's time, we're just talking about time here. And he was supporting her. You know? So he... I feel like she she should have stayed. She should have stayed. I'm not saying it couldn't happen another time. But that day, she should have stayed. But she didn't. And it is what it is. Rest in peace to Brother Seau. You know. Uh, like I said, this was... This was a, a dope story. Just to see... Watch him from his childhood... To high school, to college to pros and you know being a Charger fan and just watching watching him I was just in a, as a child I was amazed at the way he played the game I was amazed at the effort he put in the game I was amazed at how tough he was because he always I mean several times I see him like man he, he he's probably gonna be done for the game and he'll be back in there playing like he never was hurt and you know Playing with injuries is one thing I learned as well, but playing through concussions is not good, and I'm happy the NFL got rid of that, and I'm happy they changed the game and, and, and made it better, but, uh, you know, I always loved you and say, I'll, before this happened, he was my second favorite linebacker, you know what I'm saying, of all time, you know, it's, it's, it's Lawrence Taylor for me. In my world, it's Lawrence Taylor, and then it's Junior Seau. You can have whoever else you want. I'm not discounting anybody. Shout out Derek Thomas, RP to him too. He was a savage too. Dick Buckus, um, Ray Lewis, Mike Singletary. Hey, I love them all. I'm just saying, for me, Lawrence Taylor, Junior Seau. You know? So, I'm going to let that rock. Um, so R.P. to Junior Seau God bless his family God bless his uh, ex-wife God bless uh, um, His kids and everybody his, You know his mother and his father You know God bless them all So Just thank y'all for this time This was you know it's tough to do Cause you know I, It was just tough to see how the story ended But um but, you know, it is what it is. And hopefully, you know, the NFL will be better because of guys like Junior Seau and his story. And they change the game and make it safer. Make it safer and get a better uh, medical plan for these players and, and really focus on taking care of these players because you really sacrifice. I'm not saying that, you know, you know, some jobs are hard. 
Some jobs are tougher than others. Being a policeman is hard. Being a lumberjack is hard. You're putting your life on the line. Being a fireman is hard. You put your life on the line. I get it. But um, you got to take care of these players, though. And you do sign up. You do make a lot of money. You get to take care of your whole family, which is great. But uh, as players, hopefully they can't forget to take care of themselves. And um, the NFL has done a, a better job with that as far as with the concussions. That's the main thing. You can't keep playing through these concussions. You get a concussion, you need to sit out. Yeah, your season might go down the drain as far as if that's your team and you it's the playoff game or whatever, but so be it. You know, we can't have people out here um, just shooting themselves, just killing themselves at 50 years old. That's not what's up. So RIP Junior Seau. Thank you all for listening to Mostly Sports. Please remember... Win with class, lose with class, I'm out.